0: Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the PAR Technologies Fiscal Year 2022 Fourth Quarter Financial Results. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there'll be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 11 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising you your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 11 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Chris Burns, Senior Vice President of Business Development. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Catherine, and good morning to everyone. I'd also like to welcome you today to the call for PARS 2022 fourth quarter and year-end financial results review. The complete disclosure of our results can be found in our press release issued this morning, as well as on our related form, 8K furnace to the SEC. To access the press release and the financial details, please see the Investor Relations and News section of our website at www.partech.com. At this time, I'd like to take care of certain details and regards to the call this morning. Participants on the call should be aware that we are recording the call this morning and it will be available for playback. If you ask a question, it will be included in both our live conference and any future use of the recording. I'd also like to remind participants that this conference call includes forward-looking statements that reflect management's expectations based on currently available data. However, actual results are subject to future events and uncertainties. The information on this conference call related to projections or other forward-looking statements may be relied upon and subject to the safe harbor statement included in our earnings release this morning and in our annual and quarterly filings with the SEC. Joining me on the call today is PAR's CEO and President, Savneet Singh, and Brian Minar, PAR's Chief Financial Officer. I'd now like to turn the call over to Savneet for the formal remarks portion of the call, which will be followed by general Q&A. Savneet?
2: Thanks, Chris, and thanks to everyone for joining the call this morning. I'm pleased to report that our growth momentum continues as we aggressively expand our unified experience to new and existing customers, drive our business to cash flow positive, and deliver customer satisfaction rates that are the highest in the industry. As I've done on prior calls, I'm going to break today's call into three sections. First, a review of our recent quarter results. Second, a review of strategic highlights that will lead to future results. And finally, some thoughts on 2023. First, our results. As I stated previously, I'm convinced that ARR remains the best metric to measure our success as each dollar of ARR, as, as under each dollar of ARR is considerable future cash flow. At the end of Q4, ARR reached $111.4 million, delivering a 26.4% year-over-year increase, demonstrating the continued growth and scaling of our subscription services engine. Contracted ARR now stands at $127.3 million, a 21% year-over-year increase from the end of 21, and an 8% increase from sequential to Q3. Today, our unified experience consists of operator solutions, guest engagement, and back office. Operator Solutions, which is Brink and Payments, ARR grew 29.6% to $41.6 million in Q4 when compared to the same period last year. During Q4, Operator Solutions added 1,183 new store activations and new bookings totaled approximately 1,611. Churn continues to be extremely low at 4.3% annualized for Brink in the quarter. We continue to be aggressive in attaching payments to all new Brink deals and see a significant majority of our new customer wins in 2022 have done just that. And in just this past quarter, we went live with 17 new customers. As we've mentioned in the past, this impressive growth has been somewhat muted by supply chain limitations of payment devices, which we expect to clear up later this year. What I like most about payments is that it creates an avenue to consolidate transaction data across all channels, reframing conversations with our customers. Moving to Guest Engagement ARR, that includes our leading customer engagement platform, Punch, and newly acquired menu. Guest Engagement ARR grew 26.2% in Q4 when compared to q 21 and totaled $58.9 million. Punch signed several new customers in Q4, including a 3,000-store fast casual enterprise, and went live in 10 new logos in the quarter. Punch continues to be best in class for loyalty, but we saw some softening in demand at the very end of Q4 and beginning of 23, as restaurants rely on marketing development dollars to fund loyalty rollouts and expansions. Cautions around inflation and price elasticity for, for restaurants have impacted marketing development funds, and in turn, we're expecting a minor slowdown in new customer demand for Punch in the first half of this year. I continue to be very bullish on Punch's opportunities going forward, but as always, we prepare for the reality we're given today. Even with this headwind, we are forecasting total era growth across our unified portfolio to be consistent with our 2022 year-over-year growth. Updating the progress of introducing menu to the United States, we are very encouraged and excited in the early interest and rave reviews we have received from prospective menu customers. We're already participating in a fair number of RFPs and feel our opportunities for rapid acceleration of new customer wins and revenue growth is upon us. In Q4, we completed the fully integrated ordering capabilities of menu with Brink, which allow us to start targeting existing customers aggressively. We hope to start booking customer wins starting next quarter. Back Office and Data Central continue its turnaround with a market more focused on cost control. Reported ARR of $10.9 million in Q4 was a 16% increase from last year's Q4. We went live in seven new logos in Q4 and continue to sell into existing Brink and Punch customers. Notably in the quarter, we signed a popular casual dining wings brand that will add meaningfully to ARR in 23. Also in this deal, we displaced the market leader for labor scheduling, validating the work we did earlier to reinforce our own scheduling module. We had activations of 350 stores in Q4 and a strong booking space of new stores being signed this quarter. We continue to see increased demand for back-of-house technology and applications to control food and labor costs, that have a direct impact on improving margins and profitability as inflation, labor, and supply chain issues can seem to be ever-present. Moving on from the results, I want to spend a bit of time on three of our strategic initiatives. Last quarter, I talked about our focus on freezing R&D spend and the shift of our R&D resources from technical debt to new product development. We continue to see momentum behind this journey and feel confident that the natural shift from technical debt to future development will allow PAR to increase new products without adding new R&D spend. Alongside this R&D focus, though, is a go-to-market plan that allows PAR to have a 360-degree view of our customers so that we can better effectuate cross-sell and the promotion of unified commerce. In Q4, we consolidate parts of our sales team to create an account management team to own each of our existing accounts. This allows our customers to have one sales contact across all PAR products, thereby giving our customers a more streamlined view of PAR and simultaneously our sales team a 360-degree view of the customer's relationship with PAR to enhance our cross sell It also gives us accountability on an account-by-account basis to understand our performance with every concept we sell to and help drive performance at the account level. These account managers are partnered with a direct sales team that is still on the hunt for new logos and provide strong product-specific knowledge to our customers. As the utility of a more unified and integrated offering becomes more evident, we'll see a greater and greater need to manage our accounts at a more strategic level, balancing price, LTV, and customer satisfaction, thereby also making this group the right point of contact for renewals and upsell A good example of this momentum is with our recent signing of the Zaxby's a large restaurant enterprise that has been implemented that has implemented both operator solutions and guest engagement with our brink POS and punch platforms in tandem to enhance their customer experience and drive efficiency in their 900 plus stores. As we roll out and deliver value, our account manager will be tasked with working closely with the Zaxby's team to find avenues for new products that can solve their needs and deliver our unified experience. The second large strategic move PAR made in Q4 was Brink's entry into the table service market. We've been cautious and not over-promising too much, but in Q4, we received commitments from two notable and well-known table service chains. Table service opens up our addressable market to a large and new base that we previously have stayed out of. Table service clients in general pay higher monthly subscription rates as they require more terminals and functionality than our Q- QSR customers and will drive our continued ARPU expansion. What's exciting about our first two commitments is that both customers also took our back office and payments offerings, highlighting the strategic fit of our products and candidly highlighting how simplicity wins. While much is made about new technology, the digitization of the restaurant, and the move away from in-store, today our customers, more than anything else, want their products to be sent, want their products to work, and work seamlessly. The third strategic update I wanted to touch on is data. In today's challenged global economy, PAR's unified experience is becoming a must-have for enterprise restaurants. Business complexity continues to increase, and homegrown solutions can no longer keep pace. This creates a sustained opportunity for par as restaurants adapt and change their business models and evolve their technology platforms. Digital transformation within restaurant enterprises is creating enormous volumes in data that are all but unmanageable with conventional approaches to analytics and data and analytics. As restaurants mature and their data analytics practices, the approach becomes unwieldy. PAR is delivering significant value to our customers through the capture and management of this data as the enterprise serves their customers day in and day out. Through the unified experience offering, PAR has massive amounts of real-time actionable data for customers that provide the foundation for machine learning-based personalization and analytics. This includes transactional data for Brink, customer identity data for PUNCH, and employee inventory data for Data Central. As an example of this scale, three out of every five US adults use a PUNCH Power Loyalty Program and generate 4.7 billion transactions a year. We make these analytical insights and raw data available to our customers in a variety of ways. Customers can form self-service analytics right in the product itself, including campaign performance analytics, employee (coughs) reporting, and guest analytics. Customers can export this data on demand for their own analysis and visualization. This capability allows enterprise restaurants to use this mission critical data to optimize customer engagement, drive operational efficiencies, and at the end of the day optimize their profitability. As the world embraces artificial intelligence, these data sets and models, we believe, will become critical in that automation. Now, I'll turn the call over to Brian for more details on the numbers.
3: Thank you, Stephanie, and good morning, everyone. Before going into the financial details, I'd like to highlight an important change to our financial reporting presentation. We have retroactively split the presentation of our services financial statement line items across new subscription services and professional services, FSLIs, this change is a result of PAR's transformation into a true technology platform provider, with our subscription services line items consisting of revenues and costs related to our SaaS solutions, recurring software support, and transaction-based payment processing services. Subscription services represents 100% of our annual recurring revenue metric. Professional services revenues and costs related to our portfolio <coughs> relate to our portfolio of other support services including implementation, training, on-site and technical support, as well as hardware repair and installation. In addition to splitting the services line items, we have changed the product line items name to hardware. Now on to the financial performance. Total revenues were $97.7 million for the three months ended December 31st, 2022, an increase of 19.7% compared to the three months ended December 31st, 2021, with growth coming from both Restaurant, retail, and government segments. Net loss for the fourth quarter of
4: 2022
3: was 13.5 million, or 50 cent loss per share compared to the net loss of 25.6 million, or 95 cent loss per share reported in the same period in 2021. Adjusted net loss for the fourth quarter of 2022 was 7 million, or 26 cent loss per share, compared to an adjusted net loss of 9.8 million, or 36 cent loss per share for the same period in 2021. Adjusted EBITDA for the fourth quarter of 2022 was a loss of 2.8 million compared to the adjusted EBITDA loss of 4.9 million for the same period in 2021. Hardware revenue in the quarter was 29.6 million, a decrease of 2.6 million or 8.1% from the 32.2 million reported in the prior year. Both periods were historically high for hardware sales. We continue to see strong hardware sales both with our Tier 1 legacy customers and across our brink customer base. Subscription service revenue was reported at 27.9 million, an increase of 8.9 million or 47% from the 18.9 million reported in the prior year, driven by revenue from our guest engagement solutions. Q4 subscription services revenue included approximately 0.6 million of year-to-date adjustments within our guest engagement solutions. The annual recurring revenue exiting the quarter was one hundred eleven point four million, an increase of twenty six point four percent compared to Q four two thousand twenty one, with operator solutions up twenty nine point six percent, guest engagement up twenty six point two percent, and back of house up sixteen percent. Professional service revenue was reported at thirteen point five million, an increase of one point nine million or sixteen point one percent from the eleven point six million reported in the prior year driven by hardware repair services, guest engagement, and operator solutions implementations. Our total recurring revenue base, which includes both subscription services and hardware support contracts within professional services, continues to expand with $34.9 million reported in Q4 2022, an increase of 34.2% compared to the $26 million in Q4 2021. Contract revenue from our government business, Was 26.7 million, an increase of 7.9 million or 42.1% from the 18.8 million reported in the fourth quarter of 2021. The increase in contract revenues was driven by a 7.5 million increase in our ISR solutions. The increase in ISR solutions was driven by task orders resulting from the AFRL counter small UAS contract awarded in 2021. Contract backlog associated with our government business as of December 31st, 2022, was $334 million, an increase of 71% compared to the $195 million backlog as of December 31st, 2021. Total funded backlog as of December 31st, 2022, was $86 million, a 124% increase compared to the funded backlog of $39 million for the prior year. Now turning to margins. Hardware margin for the quarter was 23.8% versus 23.4% in Q4 2021. We continue to strategically manage market changes in both supply chain and pricing so we can continue to provide premium product to our customers at competitive pricing while maintaining our margins. Subscription services margins for the quarter was 53% compared to 43.5% reported in the fourth quarter of 2021. We have been successful in driving multi-year subscription services margin improvement with improved hosting utilization, process improvements within support services, and more pricing rigor as we validate our value proposition to our customers. We continue to see additional opportunities for improvement as we enter 2023. Subscription service margin during the three months ended December 31, 2022, included 5.3 million of amortization of identifiable and tangible assets compared to 5.1 million of amortization during the three months ended December 31st 2021. Excluding the amortization of intangible assets, total adjusted subscription service margin for the three months ended December 31st 2022 was 72% compared to 70% for the three months ended December 31st 2021. Professional services margin for the quarter was 23.3% compared to 13.2% reported in the fourth quarter of 2021. The improvement was driven by hardware repair margins. Government contract margins were 4.3% as compared to 6.7% for the fourth quarter of 2021. The decrease in margin is driven by an increase in mission system direct material and labor costs, along with an increase in lost reserves. We expect margins to revert back to historical norms of six to 8% in the following quarters. In regards to operating expenses, Gap SG&A was 25.9 million, an increase of 1 million from the 24.9 million reported in Q4 2021. SG&A decreased 0.6 million or 2.4% when excluding 1.6 million of expenses related to menu. Net R&D was 14.9 million, an increase of 4.9 million from the 10 million recorded in Q4 2021. Backing out menu and non-GAAP adjustments, the growth in R&D is 1.8 million or 18%. Included in operating expenses for the fourth quarter was a 4.4 million reduction in the fair value of the contingent consideration liability for the menu acquisition. This contra expense is a non-GAAP adjustment. Total operating expenses, excluding the contingent liability adjustment, totaled 41.2 million. As as Saneet stated earlier, our plan is to hold quarterly operating expenses flat from Q four, two thousand twenty two through Q four of two thousand twenty three. Net interest was one point eight million compared to five point six million recorded in Q four, two thousand twenty one. The decrease is driven by a reduction of accretion resulting from our january first, two thousand twenty two pronouncement adoption that resulted in our convertible debt securities be, being wholly accounted for as debt and negated the requirement to record accretion for the conversion feature. Now to provide information on the company's cash flow and balance sheet position. For the 12 months end of December 31st, cash used in operating activities was 43.1 million versus 53.2 million for the prior year. Operating cash needs were primarily driven by net loss, net of non-cash charges, and additional net working capital requirements. Increase in networking capital requirements was primarily due to the growth of our business. We have been able to reduce gross inventory by 4 million since June 30th, 2022 and are focusing on reducing another 3 to 5 million over the combined following two quarters. Cash used in investing activities was 66.7 million for the 12 months ended December 31st versus 383 million for the prior year. Investing activities during the 12 months ended December 31st included forty point three million for the purchase of short term US Treasury bills and notes to be held to maturity, eighteen point four million of cash consideration for the Q four two thousand sorry, the Q three two thousand twenty two menu acquisition, and one point two million of cash consideration for the Q one two thousand twenty two drive through tucking acquisition. Capitalized software for development technology costs for the twelve months ended december thirty first was six point five million. Cash used in financing activities was 2.6 million for the 12 months ended December 31st, versus cash provided by financing activities of 443.6 million for the prior year. Financing activities for 2022 was driven by stock-based compensation related transactions. Days sales outstanding decreased within restaurant retail segment from 58 days as of December 31st, 2021, to 53 days as of December 31st. 2022. Day sales outstanding within government segment as of December 31, 2022, was 55 days and consistent with the 55 days as of December 31, 2021. Before returning the call back to Sabneet, I am pleased to report that we have fully remediated the material weaknesses and our internal controls over financial reporting are operating effectively. I will now turn the call back over to Sabneet for closing remarks prior to moving to Q&A.
2: Thanks, Brian. Transitioning to our outlook for 2023, we continue to see strong demand across our business at par. While we see, expect to see some slowness from our punch product line, given the macro environment, we feel strongly in the growth in every other segment of our business. Our operator solutions of brink and payments has become a dynamic combination in the attachment of data central, and soon menu comes next. Our goal for this year is to continue to grow our AR at rates similar to 2022, between 20 and 30% a year. As we look and see these decelerating growth around the sector, we think our ability to maintain our growth rates is differentiated, driven by the unified approach. Our customers continue to buy more than one product, and once unified, we're able to drive price the, given the value we provide. The macro is not an excuse at par, and will ensure our teams know that no matter what happens, we must deliver a win for our shareholders. Part of this push is that we must continue to demonstrate ROI to our customers, such that they are not looking at buying one product from par, but the entire experience, and thereby making our growth even more defensible. As we roll out new product offerings in 2023, I believe we'll have strong proof points to show and clearly demonstrate this to our customers. In addition to our efforts to maintain our revenue growth, we want to reaffirm our focus on driving to profitability. As we stated on our last call, we are keeping operating expenses flat from Q4 2022 to Q4 2023, allowing every added dollar of gross margin to hit the bottom line. Our focus on cost control is not new. A good example to highlight is our historical cost controls around SG&A expense. Excluding menu, our our menu acquisition, during 2022, par SG&A actually declined while ARR grew 26.4%. We've been able to continually grow revenue while not increasing overhead. What this number hides, though, is that while costs have come down with this growth, we've been able to increase investments in needed areas of sales and internal IT. As we've proven our ability to hold SG&A costs, we now intend to demonstrate that same discipline on the R&D line. So while the macro environment may be challenged for 23, we at PAR hope to continue to grow through the environment and do so in an incredibly efficient manner. As always, I'd like to thank all of PAR's employees for the dedication and effort over the past quarter. Across the organization, people have stepped up to ensure, ensure we meet the needs of our customers, while at the same time embracing the changes necessary to create a company for long-term sustainable success. With that, I'll open the call for Q&A. Operator?
0: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, press star one on your telephone and then wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, press star one again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Will Nance with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open.
5: Hey, guys, good morning. Uh, Appreciate you taking the questions. Um, Savneed, I I want to follow up on uh, some of the weakness that you called out towards the latter part of Q4 and early 2023 and Punch. I guess could you maybe provide a little bit more color across uh, what you're seeing in the market, and I guess just could you talk about confidence level of the demand kind of coming back in the back half of 23?
2: Sure. So we saw, you know, deals push out in the very end of December uh, for Punch, um and I, I i you know most of it's tied to the economy, and you know punch is funded through what's called marketing development funds or, or or basically the the marketing royalties that concepts uh bring in from their franchisees and um during these challenge times, they tend to cut back on these expenses, and so we expect this to rebound from the conversations we have with our customers as i said i don't we don't I think it'll have a material impact on our growth for next year, but we wanted to be sort of transparent that there's there is some slowdown on marketing expenses um across all restaurant chains in twenty three
5: Got it. Uh, That makes sense. And then I guess just maybe can you talk through, you mentioned table services and seeing an upsized uh, ARPU in some of those uh, products. I'm just wondering if you could kind of talk through kind of ARPU trends uh, on um, uh, on the operator line and what you guys are seeing sort of like brink ARPU uplift on locations like that relative to a QSR. And then just maybe a, a quick follow up on the, the ARPU guidance. I mean, the, 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 the lower range of ARPU guidance this year, um, kind of in line with, with last year. Is that largely a function of some of the weakness you're seeing in Punch, or is there, is there something else that's changing the expectations?
2: Yeah, I'll do the last one first. So I think, you know, we're trying to maintain our revenue growth year over year, which, you know, I think is unique in, in this environment. Um, and, you know, again, if we felt, um, if we hadn't seen that close in Punch, you know, obviously I think it would have been higher, but we want to make sure that we're, we, we hit the numbers. So, um, you know, that's kind of how we got to our guidance number. Um, on the first part of your question, uh, remind me what it was, Will?
5: The, uh, You mentioned higher ARPUs on the table server. Oh, service sorry, by. on the Yeah. Color on so we, the we, there.
2: Yeah, for, for sure. So, on the table server side, we've had, um, you, know, uh, you know, we've kind of kept this back pocket, but we've been working to sort of enable Brink to function in that market. Um, we received our first two commitments. Um, table service change very, very widely in price. Um, oftentimes, POS is priced off of the number of terminals in the store. So you can have some table service uh, concepts that will have, you know, uh, you know, half a dozen terminals. You'll have some that have 20. So they, they do vary tremendously. Um, you know, in general, you know, I'd say a table service chain will have an uplift between, you know, 40 and you know, 100 percent, depending on the size of the concept. What's, you know, I think extra special or unique is that in the first two commitments we've gotten, they've also taken two of our other products. Um, So, you know, they were all all bundled deals. Um, And I think that's a trend we'll see going forward in the table service market. So it's not just that I think we'll get the brink of ARPU uplift, which is, you know, know, a function of the market. I think it's also uh, we have more ability to bundle in that market, too.
5: Awesome. Appreciate you taking the
6: questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you. One moment for our next question. It comes from Samad Samana with Jeffries. Your line is open.
7: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. So, Savi, so maybe just follow up on the 2023 ARR outlook. How should we think about maybe what some of the underlying assumptions are between the different pieces? It sounds like Punch may be a bit of a downtick, but I think that implies that the core that, that the core business uh, is actually doing quite well. So, maybe just help us understand the, the assumptions now that there's several different products that are, that are driving the growth.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think, um, every other segment of PAR on the, uh, sorry, the software side, you know, I think, uh, has the potential, and at least we're planning for acceleration from, from 22. So, you know, obviously payments, um, and, and Brink, you know, will have faster, should have, fa- you know, faster error growth in 23 versus 22. Um Data Central will have meaningfully faster growth in 23 versus 22. Um, and so um, the rest of the business is super, super strong, and 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 you know why we're so excited. And, and I said, you know, punch rebound, There's reason for optimism, but we want to be cautious given what we're seeing, uh, and, and really what the market's seeing.
7: That's helpful. And then maybe on, on the payment side, um, now that we're we're sometime in and and you've started to see the attach rate uh, move up, any any early takeaways that we can do that that we can kind of think about on the go forward side, whether it's. The average size of the chain that's willing to adopt payments or if you're seeing, uh, you know, within a chain, is it all, is it typically all the franchises are, are using payments? Just any kind of early observations that, that we can think through as we think about the potential there?
2: Um, so, it's, it's, it's a great question. And um, so, the first question is, you know, it's a really wide range of customers. We have customers that are, you know, from our channel segment, which are, you know, 20 stores, if you will, all the way up to, um, you know, Smoothie King, which we announced earlier in the year, which is, you know, well over a 1,000 stores. So, it's it's a lot wider than we expected, which, which is obviously a positive thing. Um, you know, I think as we roll into this year, uh, you'll see uh, a couple of exciting things happening. One is, um, our payments business is a lot more than just processing transactions. We're, we've expanded into a gateway business, um, and we'll have some cool announcements around partnerships with with Apple VAS and some really interesting ways to build software around our payments product. So, I think the big trend you'll see is that not only will we have you know relatively strong penetration this year, 80% of Brink signings took on payments, um, but we'll also see an expanding product portfolio that are really natural upsells for for the customer base. So. Um, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, really strong uptake. Um, on the last question, all the payments deals we've signed so far are for the entire concept. So they're a little bit different, um, which is it's a positive for us, that mo- most of them end up taking, um, um, you know, they, t- they make a deal on behalf of all their franchisees.
7: Great. Very helpful, and congrats on the strong growth and uh, on the healthy margins that as well.
2: Thanks.
0: Our next question comes from Kyle Peterson with Needham & Company. Your line is open.
6: Great. Uh, good morning, guys. This is uh, Kyle. i from my own uh, this morning. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, and just wanted to touch, you know, on, on Data Central. Um, you know, good to see the ARR is kind of heading back in the right direction there after kind of a little bit of a lull earlier in the year. Should we expect that to continue, or, or is there still a little bit of, you know, choppiness ahead? For you know, that, that part of the business,
2: you should expect it to accelerate. Actually, so it'll, it'll get better from here. Um, as I mentioned in the script, you know, we signed uh, um, these table service chains that are also taking data data central. Um, and um, y- you know, in general, I think we've kind of hit our stride as far as figuring out product market fit. Attachment would bring um, uh, new new logos. So you should expect it to accelerate. You know, if, I think we grew sort of 16 percent this year in data central. Um, you know, we expect to grow meaningfully higher than that in twenty three. So as I mentioned in the last call, you know, you know, we expect all the product lines to actually do better this year from a percentage growth perspective uh, outside of punch.
7: Okay.
6: Um, th- that's helpful. And then I guess just kind of thinking about the, the seasonality of the year, I, I guess it sounds like the, the second half should be a little better, uh, at least due to punch. But I guess should we think about that kind of ARR growth um, rate across the whole business, maybe getting – Better as the year progresses, or, or is really the only blip or change that you guys have seen so far is, is kind of within that punch product.
2: I think it'll be consistent through the year. It, you know, it's, it, so I think we, we feel like we'll make up, you know, from PUNCHing the other parts of the business. So I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I, we're not budgeting meaningful seasonality in, in our models. All
0: right. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. One moment. Our next question comes from Adam Winden with APW Capital. Your line is open.
8: Hey, uh, guys, thank you uh, for taking my questions. Um, I want to talk a little bit about table service because, you know, that's been a a product that you guys have been talking about for a while. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of guys, the incumbents are sort of slow as it relates to sort of Oracle and NCR and that's a, you know, super high product, you know, sort of super high ARPU product. And, you know, I just, you know, would like to sort of, and then you mentioned sort of two big chains, like it's one of them is probably Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, obviously it's great that you're getting a huge sort of logo with lots of, you know, units and whatever terminals. I mean, can you talk about sort of what the pipeline is for, for table service, sort of what kind of ARPUs we could expect and sort of how quickly you can sort of roll that out? Because this is, I mean, this is sort of a, a big sort of game changer, I think, in, t- in terms of your product roadmap.
2: So we um, we signed our first two deals at the end of of uh, uh, Q4. You know, we'll look to start rolling them out. Um, you know, late first half, uh, you know, second half of the year. Um, and you know, as we talked on the last question, what's exciting is you know they are meaningfully higher ARPU. You know, the average again it varies tremendously in this market. There there are table service chains that are you know twenty five thirty percent higher than the average brink uh, cost and there are table service chains that are 200 to 300 percent higher depending on the number of terminals, configurations, uh, so on and so forth. So there's it's a really wide range. Um, and in general, we'll, you know, even a, um, what's called a low priced, uh, table service chain will have a meaningful difference to, to our, to our BrinkARPU. But what, you know, I mentioned on the last part call, last question I think is really interesting here is that in the pipeline we have, most of them are also, um, you know, almost de facto taking our, um, our payments product and, the volume of payments uh, transactions in a uh, table service restaurant, excuse me, are um, – the the GMV is meaningfully higher. And so it creates also a really strong payments opportunity, so we could potentially have higher payments ARPU within a table service chain. So there are a lot of nice tail tailwinds when you enter that market. Um, and, you know, as far as strength of the pipeline, you know, we've got our first two. two. We want to get those right. We've got a nice pipeline of, you know, smaller mid-sized chains. And then as the larger ones come to RP, you know, we'll look to actually enter those RFPs. Historically, you know, we've – even chosen not to respond to those RFPs because we weren't ready. And I think, um, you know, given that the first couple of chains are, you know, relatively well-known brands, we'll be able to leverage that to enter those bigger RFPs.
8: Good. And, uh, you know, I mean, another thing that we haven't really talked about is I think you mentioned sort of par analytics, par data. But, I mean, uh, a lot of sort of the R&D expense was getting shifted to new products, obviously, of menu. But, I mean, a big part of, I think, was unified commerce platform and sort of all the sort of the modules around that. Can you talk about you, – you didn't really mention, you know, sort of par data analytics or sort of the UCP as sort of another driver and, you know, that plus menu. Can you talk about – because, I mean, everyone's talking about punch, and it's like – but you've got, you know, you've got four other products. I mean, there should – now that you're vertical and you have all these other products, there should be some sort of natural hedging mechanism. You're seeing sort of data central offset punch. I mean, can you talk about sort of the, the portfolio of new products? And then I've got one last question.
2: Sure. Um, so, you know, the portfolio is doing great. As I mentioned, you know, we're not um, – we feel confident that the rest of our portfolio can make up for any potential, as, as we see in Punch um, in 23. But we also have, um, you know, quite a bit coming after that. Um, this year, we launched our first uh, unified products, which are products that are built off of multiple par products. So, think of them as products that you can uh, really only get value from if you have the par product portfolio. Um, and so, those will be launched later this year. Uh, and then we've got, you know, a bunch of other levers, as I mentioned, a couple of new payments products. And so the portfolio is growing. And, you know, as I mentioned in my remarks, um, you know, one of the exciting parts about what's happening is the ability to leverage all this data to then create new insights back to the customer. You know, at some point, these will enter, you know, I hope we can create models such that they can leverage our intelligence. But for today... That all that data allows us to actually have a much more strategic conversation with the customer, so they no longer look at us as, as, hey, that's the POS product there, that's a, you know, uh, an online ordering product there. They look at it as a relationship for us to help them solve that data challenge. Because I think if you went to most restaurants, um, they have a lot of data. They they truly do have endless amounts of data, but the insights they're pulling from it are still relatively limited because the lack of data integrity, the linearity, none of it really connects well. And so I think we, by having the suite of products, we're able to change that conversation. And and, and I think you're seeing the results, which is, you know, you're seeing more and more customers choose multiple products, um, and I think that will continue.
3: I think that also, to to add to that as well, is having the unified with the the data, the fact that we also have a very large white space with our existing um, sites that we have, is that it allows us to accelerate the cross-sell opportunity that we have. And now that we're aligning our sales organization for that, that's also going to be helping to drive and and take, you know, and and smooth out any kind of headwinds we have in any one individual product. Got
8: it. And then, um, you know, going back sort of on the product portfolio, I mean, when I think about sort of PAR when it's all grown up and adult, you know, I sort of look at it like a, a little market access or SS&C, you know, SSNC and c bought, you know, EZ and all the rest. And, I mean, you know, SSNC and c is sort of the one-stop shop for the asset manager. And, you know, as I think about PAR, you know, think about what the business was when I invested in it originally. It was just Brink at, you know, low net promoter and low gross margin. Now we've got, you know, God knows how many more products are coming online. Can you talk, you know, you know, sort of – I look at this as sort of like, you know, many, many products. I mean, can you talk, you know, a little bit about the m and I know you bought Menu, which was sort of, uh, you know, sort of a an aqua hire, tech hire. Can you talk a little bit about that ramp? And then, you know, what the M&A environment looks like because, you know, a lot of companies, you know, I know Punch thought about going into a SPAC originally, but sort of the, the free money, easy money days are over for – companies that are doing 10, 20, 30 million ARR that basically are, you know, funded, you know, funded, you know, indefinitely. And now those companies sort of have venture funds that need sort of liquidity events and the IPO market is closed and your lender of last resort. I mean, I I think this must be a really good environment to sort of do tuck in M&A, like, you know, you know, more sort of like on the restaurant magic, 10, 20, 30 million ARR. Can can you talk a little bit about sort of what you're seeing in the M&A pipeline and you know what the realities are in terms of you being able to execute on sort of meaningful M&A this year.
2: Sure. So I'm um, really breaking into two parts. So I think if you look at the tuck-in acquisitions, so call it acquisitions in the size range as you mentioned and, and smaller, um, that market has completely changed. Uh, you know, those are the companies that wanted the highest multiples over the last two years. Um, they are all relatively rational and you know I think potentially ready to make a deal. And so we're you know we're always engaged with a number of a number of those targets um, and in figuring out where we want to potentially add to the product suite. And 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 I think the key there is making sure that we can have a product that we can leverage what we have today at PAR. You know, we don't want to buy something that's sort of really cool technology that we can't distribute through our our sales force because that efficiency, as you can see, you know, I think it's one of the things we haven't talked about a lot, but I think it's most impressive is you know we haven't really grown our SG&A expense outside of acquisitions. You know, in a couple of years yet we've continued to grow the business, size of the business meaningfully and we want to be able to leverage that, that base. So um, there's a lot more to do there than, than there's been in previous years. The other part of the market, though, that um, you didn't ask about, but I think is interesting is um, I think over the next, I don't know, a year or two years, but th- there will be much larger strategic transactions that happen in our space because I think as the markets have gotten rational, the value and synergy of scale have come to fruition. I think our customers want to work with larger partners, and I think the amount of R&D expense to keep up with the innovation is meaningful now where um, previously, as you suggested, VC VCs and their, their capital is funding that, I think it's hard to do on small scale. And so, you know, big push, a big push of ours to get to profitability is also to, to continue the R&D investments. And if we were twice the size, um, you know, that, that creates a meaningful difference versus a small competitor trying to come in. And so I think scale will also become very valuable. And I think, um, you know, we could potentially see things, you know, uh, loosen up in that end of the market as well, which, you know, really hasn't happened um, in a long time in our space. Um, Adam, we've got to jump to two other questions after this, but um, thank you for the questions.
0: Thank you. One moment. We have a question from Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Your line is open.
7: Hey, good morning. Uh, just
6: one here from me. Um, and one of that's about the subscription uh, services gross margin. Um, nice bounce back higher this quarter. I think that happened a little sooner than I would have expected given the drag from uh, menu and payments. So can you just talk about some of the moving pieces under that and how you're thinking about the potential? Um, subscription services gross margin in 2023?
2: I think in 2023, you know, we'll sort of be low 70s um, for the year. Um, again, a little bit ahead of schedule than we thought. Um, we do still have, you know, what I think that hides, though, is that, you know, payments and menu are meaningfully below the rest of our products from a gross margin perspective. And so, you know, I think our run rate gross margins on our, our core products and our large products are, are meaningfully higher. And we expect menu and payments to eventually get there, too. And so there, there, there should be a really nice continued tailwind for gross margins in the in the coming years. Um, so, uh, you know, it came back quickly. A lot of it is some catch-up from, from Punch. Um, and and I think you'll see us sort of being in the low 70s for the year, again, a lot of it depending on when we roll out payments and, and potentially menu customers, uh, as that, that the every dollar of revenue has a meaningful impact on, on the gross margin base there, sorry, the cost base there.
3: Correct. And what we saw from Q3 to Q4 – right, was that continued improvement on our operator solutions, both from Brink and on the efficiencies that we're getting in regards to to those margins. And then in addition to that, we are starting to gather each quarter improvement on the payments as it gets more and more critical mass.
4: Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from George Sutton with Craig Hallam. Your line is open.
4: Thank you, Subneet. Given that you restructured the sales force, uh, and obviously you you previously had folks selling into Punch at a headquarters level, folks selling into Brink, and others at a regional and franchise level, what sort of an impact do you think you've seen from that restructure? And and I'm obviously thinking of the Punch uh, perspective in particular with that question.
2: It's a great question. So, we, we still separate out the franchise team, uh, which, which we internally call FAM, and then our um, enterprise team. So, we ne- we will always keep those distinct because, as you, you're suggesting and is right, selling to a franchisee is selling to a small business. But to win a brink or a punch or a data central deal, you've got to win at the corporate level, which is an enterprise sale, which is, you know, months to years, depending on the size of the chain and the relationship we have. So um, we, we haven't disrupted the franchise process and we'll always have that. And, and that that, that, is a, that is an excellent team that just is automatic and, and great. On the um, uh, question of results, you know, it's way too early to talk about the impact of it, but I, I can tell you right now what I, I enjoy about it is we do have a view now of the customer. So if we've got a customer that has three of our products you know, that that salesperson now has to go and say, okay, hey, they don't have, you know, uh, payments, and their payments uh, c- current contract ends in six months, and these are the pain points, and this is the using, and it, it arms us to cross-sell into our base much better. So I look at that team's ability to effectively create leads to cross-sell into our existing base, where I think historically um we've done it, but we haven't done it in a systematic way. Um, now we've mapped out every single account where the opportunities are, You know when they're when they're not not when their RFPs come up, but when they're you know when the next expiry of a contract happens, and then we have so much more data now to build off of and say okay, you know they have Brink, they have Data Central, they have Menu. Here's the opportunity for payments, and here's here's how that pitch will work. So it's really a focus on cross sell, um, and as I said, it's completely delineated from the you know the 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 small business uh, franchisee team. Great.
4: And finally, if I could just give you three kind of exclamation points things that you said that I want to make sure I heard correctly. Uh, I think you said 17 new customers attached in payments, uh, which is meaningfully more than we thought. You mentioned a 3,000-unit uh, fast casual enterprise, which fast casual being something, uh, uh, I'd say, that's a significant relative to the normal quick service. And then lastly, the labor scheduling takeaway. We haven't talked much about labor scheduling. I wondered if you could just briefly address those three items.
2: So the first two is yes and yes. So, you know, as I said, payments is really doing great. And, you know, we have, a you know, every year, you know, a decent chunk of our bookings from Brink come from our, our channel partners. Um, and, you know, we've really found a way to push push payments aggressively there. And then, as I mentioned, all the new Brink deals, almost all the new Brink deals have our payments. So it's just, you know, attaching attached really well, which I think to the prior question, that's kind of helped us, um, you know, feel more confident in, in, in kind of, uh, you know, selling more from the same salesperson. Um, so there. On, on the data central side, you know, a, a lot of the work in addition to, to strong leadership has also been around the product and and, and, and effectively realizing that data central um, is more than inventory and COGS, but also a beautiful labor and scheduling module. And so we did a lot of work earlier in the year to highlight that. And now that we've got a marketing effort, um, as I mentioned, I expect the growth in this business to to be meaningfully more than it was in 22. And part of that is signing these new logos, but it's also monetizing these modules within um, Data Central, which we used to candidly get for free or just bundle and customers never realized it was even there. And so it's kind of monetizing and pulling apart those products and realizing that our products are are best in class. Uh, And so um, it's, it's, it's it's a much more strategic way of going to market.
4: Super. Thank you.
0: Thank you. One moment for our next question. We have a question from Anja Soderstrom from Sedoti. Your line is open. Hi, thank you for taking my questions. Actually, all of them have been addressed, but I'm just curious about the data. Do you own that data, and can you use that sort of outside of your current customer base?
2: It's a complicated question, and it's a, the, the short answer is it depends on the customer. Um, but um, we are able to monetize that data in an anonymized ways. Um, now, we I don't we don't have an intention to do that, and, and, and I think a lot of our excitement around the data is actually suggesting that we can build products for our customers leveraging that data. Um, and so, I think that's what's exciting to us. But as I mentioned in the transcript too, it's also a way to change the conversation because you know if we have a customer that has our, our products and, and, and payments. We know every single transaction. We can even pull up every single customer, and those insights are hard to get. Um, So that's pretty exciting for us.
3: Okay, thank you. That's
0: all for me. There are no other questions in the queue. I'd like to turn the call back to Savneet Singh for closing remarks.
2: Thanks, everyone, for joining the call. We look forward to updating you our progress on our next call.
0: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.